don't think I will even ask you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the most preposterous thing I could ever tell you to do. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Whether you serve him or not, whether you bless him, curse him, hate him, or love him, he is the Lord of your life. Welcome to the For the King podcast, wherever you guys are tuning in from. Um, appreciate you guys listening in. We um, talked about last week starting a um, series on biblical masculinity, femininity. We defined that last week. Well, I guess it would be two weeks ago now since I missed last week. Sorry about that. been very busy trying to make a better habit of doing each week because yeah. I said I do each You're week. you actually just a victim. So though. I'm a victim. a victim. I'm a victim. Yeah. It just, uh, life got me. I couldn't have overcame it even if I wanted to. Um, so yeah, sorry about that, guys. Please forgive me. I'm going to try to make sure to be more faithful to every single Sunday. So uh, please forgive that. Um, and also, hope you really just enjoyed that new intro. That was uh, Paul Washer, um, a pastor that Bryce and I really like. Um, and he knows the Word of God very well and glorifies God in his sermons and in his, the way he preaches. So we really like him. Um, and hopefully that was encouraging to hear that. And you guys like the little beat and stuff. My friend Luke made that for me. So you guys can um, thank Luke or whatever, put a comment that Luke did a good job. Um, cool. So yeah, we're going to continue this series on biblical masculinity and femininity. And now we're going to start in um, at the home. We're going to talk about what the uh, scriptures and what God himself has laid out for men and women and how they ought to act in a home, in a setting, in a household. Um, and it's not just you have to be in the confines of your house to act that way. When we say that this is how you act in the home, as in this is how you act in a family unit. So you would act the same way if you're on a road trip somewhere. It doesn't have to be at your normal house. You act like this at church. You act like this everywhere you go. This is not... Um, principles for when you're by yourself with your family. You should put this on display even for everybody that would see you. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Um, I forgot my... Your intro. I know. Mark 15, 2. And Pilate asked Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I totally forgot about that. No, I, I, did, I did the other cool intro with the new music and stuff. Okay, so you, what were you going to bring up that quote? Yeah, um... This comes from uh, Zachary Garris' book, Masculine Christianity, who Rocky interviewed uh, three weeks ago now, right? Some, yeah, probably like almost a month. Um, and uh, the, in Chapter 7, it's on masculine authority and how it starts in the home. He says this, opening it up. Government is oppressive, the church is weak, and the schools are failing. But at the end of the day, all of this starts in the home. The family is the cornerstone of civilization. Exactly. Great quote by Brother Zachary. Exactly. Zachary Garris. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's that's where me and Rock, that's that's why we and, me and Rocky are beginning here, right? Yep. He, oh, he's brought up it's uh, masculine Christianity patriarchy starts in the home, uh, it bleeds out into the church and also into civilization, and that's yep. the order, right, that we're going in. Yep. Yeah. Yep, and that's how everything is built. Um, the church is made up of families, all encompassing the family of God, and then civil society is should be made up of a bunch of you know, churches, local churches that are um, proclaiming the good news and then the civil society isn't being informed by the principles from scripture and their laws and the way they govern and the way they do these things. That's what the civil magistrate should do. So all of it is derived ultimately from God's word, what he's told us, but then first the family, families make up the church and then churches make up, obviously should 
be the bulwark right in in local settings all over whatever nation right. the church is in and um, that's that's not us saying that family has the highest authority over these exactly things. yeah this is just one sphere yeah one sphere one sphere yeah and it has its own realm that it sticks to uh the sacraments you know baptism and the lord's supper that's for the church and bearing the sword and, and um that's <laughs> nice bryce just pulled a fishing lure out of his pocket and um <laughs> You know, bearing the sword for justice in the society is God a God-given authority for the civil magistrate. The church does not. There's church discipline, but they don't discipline in the sense where they throw people in jail. There's no. They don't bear the sword in that sense, and um, the family doesn't bear the sword. But you discipline your children. Right. So we bear, we bear the rod. We bear the rod. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so that's setting the stage. Anything missed? No, you want to okay. clean up anything? No, very, very beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. No okay. Feminine. No, colors. no. Okay. No. Minus that. Did you not hear how deep my voice was as I was saying that? <laughs> <laughs> and my wrists were very tight the whole time. They weren't limp. All right. Let's get, get into it now. That might be a, a downfall of masculinity. <laughs> okay. Um. You, yeah. Okay. I had somebody say they've been listening to the podcast and they didn't exactly like that um, Bryce and I talk about masculinity in the, the physical way, but there is a sense in which having limp wrists and not being rigid and strong will not make you as strong of a man, obviously. That's that's more the point there. You don't have to always walk around. We're more using hyperbole to be funny. It's a joke. Yeah. But you should not have limp wrists in general, but you don't have to walk around completely tight all the time and flexing. Yeah. We're not We're not meaning that. Okay. Spiritually, you do though. Spiritually, you should be flexed twenty four seven with the armor of God, with your your hand on the hilt of the sword of the spirit at any moment, ready to swipe one of uh, Satan's arrows, his darts flaming at you. Yeah. Notice how Satan's flaming, feminine, or uh, <laughs> what is it? Fl- a flamer. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Um. So let's let's get into it. Uh, Ephesians chapter five. We're going to start in verse twenty-two and go to um, you know six uh, verse four. You know, I, I can just read that. Sound good? What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, we'll just you can stop me, Bryce, if you want to provide commentary, or I can just read the whole thing through. Um, all right, so starting in verse 22 of chapter 5 in Ephesians, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of, of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that, he, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the, same way, hus- in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of, of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, so I'll stop there, and then I'll read the, the, the last part of chapter, uh, the first part of chapter 6 in a second. But um, big points to take away from there. Um, we see Paul continually um, likening this relationship between the husband and wife between Christ and the church. Church is the bride. Jesus is the husband. 
Um, and we see that being rooted over and over again. That's that. Um, remember that transcends culture. Everything he just said transcends culture, and this is not something unique to ancient um, Palestine or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, I want to say that. What do you yeah. want, do? You have something to say? No, no, I'll I, I can keep going. No, yeah, go. Um, another point that I want to make um, on top of the, the the Christ and the church as the husband loves his wife. Um, is that we see how this plays out in the home with direct commands, and th- and it applies to every situation. It's not a, it's not qualifying it in certain situations. The the wife submits to the husband, or in certain situations the wife respects the husband, or in certain situations the the man loves his wife, or in certain situation the man will die for his wife. All of those, which are very high callings and very hard to do, these aren't easy tasks. Can you please? <laughs> These are very hard tasks to do apart from the Holy Spirit. They're literally impossible to do these well. You have to have the Spirit of God to for a wife to respect and submit to her husband and for the husband to, to, to love and to die for his wife. You have to have the Spirit of God to do that. Um, and, and so I want to make that point. This is not situational ethics. This is, this is for every moment of every day, no matter where you are, this is how a husband and a wife ought to interact with one another. Well, and, and even notice, too, it says submit to your husband as unto the Lord. And what does this mean? How do they how do they submit unto the Lord? Well, the Lord issues good, uplifting, and gracious commands that is followed. Yeah. So the imagery that's already being painted is that this comes with the assumption that the husband is, in fact, issuing good, gracious, and commands that aren't oppressive logical rational loving commands right so like like obviously when we need to overemphasize the aspect does of uh submit to them in everything as unto the lord but at the same time paul clearly isn't making a case that if the husband is issuing sin that it is to exactly that is to be uh Disobeyed. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Easily disobeyed. Exactly. And it's because you have the same relation that is supposed to be occurring. The husband is supposed to be loving the wife in the same way that Christ loves us by, um, and, and one of those the ways that's uh, played out is in what they say, right? The husband is to be listened to, but the husband is not to be a burden to his wife. Exactly. And you even see that later on. What What does Christ do? He adorns the bride. He sanctifies the bride. He dies for the. He bride. gives her everything. Exactly. And, and that's the he beauty of what the the male authority is supposed to do. It's not supposed to be something that is oppressive. And even in spite of the feministic culture that's saying down with the patriarchy, they're saying down with the patriarchy by noticing the bad aspects of it, where it isn't played out yeah. how it should be. But that doesn't mean that the whole patriarchal system exactly. is to be thrown out. That's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Um, so there is good, godly uh, authority, good, godly uh, patri- pa- uh, patriarchalism. Yeah. Um, but it's supposed to be done in an ordered way in Christ's manner. Yeah. Uh, is him as the forerunner. We, we follow his... He is the the best patriarch. Right. He loves his bride perfectly. Right. And she never, ever is... Well, obviously, because of our sin, we would oppose him. But but nothing, it's nothing on his end is causing us to oppose him. Yeah. Jesus is perfect and alluring and loving um it's it's on our end that we would not give ourselves over to him exactly. and and 
a wife that is with a husband that truly loves her and, and, and does and, and plays this out, she will be more than happy to submit to him. Um, just like we're more than happy to submit to Christ when we put to death our sin and realize that his ways are better. Right. Um, and, and it's different. It does, it's not a perfect overlap because husbands are supposed to play out that role, but the difference is the, hus- the husband actually isn't Christ. So Jesus literally is never wrong. Sometimes the husband will be wrong, but for the sake of honoring Christ, the wife is supposed to submit anyways, even though the husband may be wrong. Now, to Bryce's point, it, it does not include when the husband is asking her to sin, but if he's just wrong on, on a very, like a, a trivial decision, like, um, are we going to take this road? I, I think the back road is going to be quicker tonight because there might be traffic. The wife says, oh, there's actually, there's not traffic. I was just there. I just, on my way home, there was nothing. And he says, well, I'll, let's go this way. And he could very well be wrong, but that's, that's, you know, Yeah. That's not a sinful thing if he asks her to submit to him in that moment. Obviously, she should. Right. Um, but if he is obviously asking her to sin, that's when she uh, she ought not to, obviously. And, and that's because it's not a perfect overlap analogy, but we're supposed to follow Christ and play that out. Right. Good? Yeah. Okay. Good? Okay. Good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. No. No? Good. What? What happened? Okay. So now let's go to Colossians. Oh, wait. Oh, oh I'm stupid. I forgot about the uh, first part of six. I'm so sorry, guys. Now, um, start of Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay. And this is building off of exactly what was just mentioned. You have the established hierarchy with the patriarch at the top. Um, and this doesn't have anything to do with value. Everything I'm saying has nothing to do with value or dignity. This just simply yeah. has to do with authority. Yeah. It's simply, that's merely what I'm talking about. The husband has the, the is the pinnacle of the hierarchy. Then it goes to the wife. And then the children are after that. Yep. That's the exact flow that Paul's bringing up right now. Yeah. The children are to obey the parents, right? Yep. In the Lord, for this is right. And then it says, honor your father and your mother. Exactly. So the father, the 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 wife does have legitimate authority, and she has legitimate authority over the children. Yeah. Right. Even over the home, as we'll probably get into later on. Yeah. Um. In terms of like the actual home itself, but uh, but that doesn't exclude the husband's preeminent authority over the whole family. Exactly. The husband's the paragon of it. He's the top, the top of it, the top of the hierarchy, um, and, and that's that's where we would get patriarch from. Pater being a, uh, being a, yeah, it's Greek for father, and then yep. arch being uh, uh, authority. So he's the. Um, Wait, I'm getting that wrong. Um, it's not authority. It's uh, it's like to it. Um, just give it up. Just give it up. Uh, essentially, that's what it is. It's it's uh, rule. Sorry, there it is. Ark is rule. It's father rule. That's that's. that's oh, there it is. Yeah, you're right. You're that's right. That's the term. It's father rule. And that's okay. what Patriarch means. Yeah. So he's the patriarch of the family. He's the rule of the family. Yeah. Um, simply, yeah. Good. Also, um, another quick thing to note: the children are also given a command. Children ought to honor their mother and their father. This is another command given to members of the household. But we're specifically talking about biblical masculinity and femininity. Um, 
so we're more going to speak to how the father and the mother ought to interact with the kids. The kids are supposed to honor the mother and father. The fathers are specifically because they're the leader and, and men are obviously usually a little more harsh and brash than women are, are not to provoke their children to anger. Um, cause men are prone to doing this and being, you know, whatever, like, because they're so men are hard. There's a wall and children want to do what they want to do. So when, you know, you butt up against dad, you know, that can be tough. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're supposed to, as, as men, fathers, masculinity, you're supposed to instruct your kids and yes, I forget which proverb it is, but you're not supposed to spare the rod. You are supposed to discipline your kids. And sometimes that does take physical, right. um, harm to the child obviously you, you shouldn't you shouldn't be like permanently hurting your kid yeah. that would be stupid that would be foolish but there is wisdom in hurting your kid for a time um just like if somebody's being a bully if you punch them one time in their face you know they're not gonna they're not gonna be permanently hurt from that right. but they're gonna get the message that you're being you're being dumb so when you spank your kids that's not um evil or bad our society would say that that's like child abuse, but it's really not. It, it can definitely be child abuse. Yeah. I mean, it can turn into that, but just spanking in general, another another thing in our culture where we've thrown, thrown out the baby with the bathwater, right. um, just because spanking can be, obviously you can go too far with it and literally like physically harm your kid. Yeah. Like some, some dads, I, you know, they'll put their cigarette out on the kid and burn them yeah. permanently where there's a scar there. That's not discipline. That's tyranny and evil. And that's a, that's a, that's a very evil man that would do something like that. You're not supposed to put your cigarette out, out on your kid's skin. Um, but you should make their butt if they're being ridiculous. Yeah. And the Proverbs, yeah, like you said, they, they attest that if you spare the rod from your child, you hate them, you literally hate them. You're hating your kid. So it's not an act of love. It's not you exercising your authority properly over them. Exactly. And also one way that you discipline them, that Greek word is paideia. It also has the implication of, uh, the way that you teach them. Yeah. And that's what discipline is. That's why we have the word disciple, right? They're kind of also off, off the same root. Yeah. Um, you discipline and, and discipleship. Discipline doesn't just always mean um, you spank your child. It also means you teach your child. Yeah. Um, and, and here's one other way that our culture has capitulated on this. Um, fathers, if you send your children to a pagan public school system, you're subverting your own authority by giving them to another's authority. Exactly. So don't subvert your own authority. You have the um, God-given, I don't want to say right, but I'd rather say responsibility, uh-huh. which is something that you must do. You have the God-given responsibility to raise up your children in the discipline and uh, instruction of the Lord. You yep. can't do that when you subvert your own authority exactly. by sending them to a pagan. Like like Bodhi Bauckham says, don't be surprised that if you send your kids off to Caesar, they, they come, come back wrong. Yeah. Right. It's it's very unmanly to send your kids. In a, in a sense, it really is. It's unmanly to send your kids to another authority. Now, there, there's a sense in which, for a night, a kid can go spend the night. Your kid can go spend the night at someone's house or whatever. And now their dad's going to be, you know, if your kid's right. acting up, you can say, all right, if they're acting up, but you delegate the authority. But you don't. You're not giving it up. You do give it up when you send them to public school. Right. And that's like sending your kid to a concentration camp. That place is so wicked and evil. There's. Proverbs thirteen twenty. Um, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Yeah. All it does is it breed, breeds stupidity, yeah. arrogance, pride. Exactly. Bry- Bryce and I were in the public school system, so we definitely have firsthand experience of all that. And yes, that stuff happens. Yeah. Okay, let's move on so we can get through all this. Um, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to do 18 to 
25. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey... Okay, actually, we'll end there. I'm sorry. Um, sorry, we'll end there at 21. But yeah, we see just real quick, he moves on to bond servants and um, people that have masters, but um, that's not the what we're laboring to do here. We're just talking about in the home. And um, just real quick imperatives, like one sentence. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's fitting. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents. Father, don't don't provoke your kids to not obey you and to be discouraged. Um, this is like a, it, it is, it's like, it's a feedback loop, loop of love. <laughs> I'm being a little ridiculous there, but yeah, it's supposed to, if all these things are working well, if you're not, if you're not being harsh with your wife, she's not going to be prone to disrespect you because you're loving her. So she's going to want to respect you. And if she's respecting you, you're going to want to love her. And if you're teaching your kids and loving your kids, then they're not going to want to be disrespectful towards you, which is not going to make you provoke them. And when they get angry at you and then you're like, you're being stupid and you're all this stuff. And then you blow up at your kids. It's this God knows what's best. So sometimes you just got to take the hit and love your wife anyway, maybe to earn some of that respect, you know, and same thing with to the ladies, sometimes you just need to respect your husband, even though when he's being stupid and, and that should win him over. And well, that's in first Peter. Um, you can win over your husband, obviously with, with doing those kind of godly things as a woman and same thing with the kids, you know, just honor your parents anyways, and then it'll make it easier for them. And then maybe they won't ask so many hard things of you anymore right? because you actually learn and show that you're, you've, you've matured. But even, even still, if you do do it, do do it, if you do, do 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 it. Yeah. And they still are not willing to offer you what is your God-given responsibility and right. Um, that still does not give you any sort of license to not fulfill your vows exactly. to the person, your covenant agreement between the person. Exactly. So, uh, children, if we are loving our parents and they, um, and we're respecting them, we're submitting ourselves under them, and even still, they're very uh, wicked and cruel with us. That doesn't give you a license to exactly. disrespect them and to exactly. um, pretty much act upon them. You, right? you turn the other cheek. That is a situation where Jesus is speaking to turn the other cheek. Right. And, and I've heard it said this way. We often in our culture have the ideology that it's 50%, 50%. You guys are both kind of in it. Um, and people are like, no, it's 100%, 100%. You guys both put in your 100. Yeah. And that's not biblical either. What's biblical is 100 zero. Even if the person puts in absolutely 0% of the effort, that does not give you any sort of right or license yep. to not fulfill your covenant agreement that you've made with that person. You are to love them. You are to serve them. Think about Hosea. The book of Hosea, uh, he marries a whore, and she goes off and she's committing adultery, but Hosea continues to love her. Mm -hmm. And this is a display that even though they commit zero. They have zero commitment yep. to it. You still offer your end of the bargain. Exactly. Yeah. Really good point, Bryce. Yeah. Really good point. Okay. Um, last text we want to get to. Um, real quick things to allude to. Yeah, there's some stuff in 1 Corinthians about marriage that not it was kind of peripheral to what we were talking about. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 talks about a woman's role in childbearing and how important that is um, for a woman. So that's going to be, in terms of femininity, it's very important for women to have kids. Their bodies are made to give life. Eve is the life giver. Um, women are made to bring life and then to nurture that life to see it to full maturity. Right. Um, so that, that's a very important ministry for women that so many feminists now spit on and say, 
put off having kids, you need to go into corporate America. You need to try to make six figures, and you need to you don't need no man. You need to just just go go and work your butt off. When you're made that you're literally designed and made to have kids, let's put that off, and then if you comes around to it, then you should do it. Um, it's like because our bodies are designed to do it, it would be like holding in a bowel movement. Your body's designed to pass waste. It'd be like holding that in and saying, I'll put it off to later when your body's designed to do something. Um, obviously, that's not a perfect analogy. So if something breaks down there, you can send me an email or whatever. Something probably broke down there. But that's going to be my analogy I'm rolling with. I came up with it on the spot. Well, but was the, What broke down was the molecular nature of the food that you ate. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. That That's kind of my little yeah. spiel there, though. Like. Women are designed for that, and it's very important for them to have kids. It's a it's a huge ministry for them, right. and it's literally one of the coolest things that humans can do, which is give right. birth to kids. And you know, men don't really play a really huge part. They they play a huge part in, in, in disciplining the kids and bringing them up. But in terms of yeah. like creating a kid, you know, yeah. women and, do most of that, <laughs> obviously. And what that bleeds off into is the role of man and woman, of man and woman, and uh-huh. what that role is is that. They they both work, but the way in which the woman works is not culturally acceptable in our day. Yeah. Like, uh, my wife doesn't work at a physical location in a job that she goes to, to where she earns a uh, bi-weekly uh, wage. Know, income wage. Um, and it was funny. She, she told me one day that her friend was talking with somebody, and they were like, oh, Juliana hasn't found a job yet. <laughs> and, like, said it in a very kind of yeah. attitude. And it's funny. It's like, no, she does have a job. She does work. Like, whenever I talk to – if I, I've talked to some of my coworkers, and they ask what Juliana does, and I say, oh, she, she works at home. Yeah. And they're taken back by that because they don't recognize the God-given role given to a woman that she works at home. Yeah. It's not that you're not working. So it's not some – Victorian style um, home where you know like like Pride and Prejudice Mr. Bennett is kind of you know doing everything within the home he's kind of exercising his authority and all the administration and Mrs. Bennett is just running off trying to get her daughters married and she reads books all day she's getting drunk yada 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 Um, that's not how it looks that's not She's not working. She's not doing anything. Yeah. She's just growing fat and doing nothing. Yeah. Right? So it's legitimate work in the home. And that's what you see in Proverbs 31. Yep. Right? The woman is, she's going to the harbor. She's, uh, she's selling things, she's buying selling things. things. She's, yeah. her arms are strong. She does a yeah. lot of labor in the home. Exactly. She, yeah. And her, her husband praises her for it. And yeah. I think it's, it, just to speak to your point, it's the almighty dollar. We put so much uh, emphasis on you have to go and make money and make some dollars. That's that's where value's at. If you're not working, it's bad if you're not working and sitting on your butt, but that's not what biblical femininity is. She stays at home and manages an entire household. She raises kids, nurtures them. It's very busy. It's a very busy life for a woman. When she fulfills her role, it's it's just as busy as a man's life. Right. Except while she's at home tending to the kids all day. And if, if you have more than like two kids, I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah. And if the wife's doing that while the husband's away at work all day, they're going to come home and she's going to be wiped out. And he's going to be tired. And hopefully he would muster up some strength to say, here, I'll take the kids for a little bit. You go take a little break. Right. You know, and love your wife in that way. And exactly. so I just think it's about where we put value at. And so many people think, oh, you're, Juliana hasn't got a job yet. Yeah. 
um, wow, she's not making any dollars for her family. That is so bad. And it's like, well, wait a second. It's just because you put value there. She's actually doing a lot for her family. Exactly. You know, and it's 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 ridiculous when people don't put value there because it's like, yeah, last point. Putting off having kids, like, that means they see no value in having kids. Yeah. When you put off having kids until you're like 35 or 40, what does that display? You think dollars... Is more is is cooler, more important, more of your calling as a woman yeah. than to have a living human being that God knits together a soul in, and is going to be the next generation that yeah. impacts the entire world and continues the the work of the gospel proclamation across the face of the earth. Yeah. So where's your value at? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the Bible says that children are a blessing. Yeah. They They're arrows in a quiver. The heritage, right? Like that's. So you're already denying fundamentally the. Well, number one, the command given to all mankind and being fruitful and multiplying. Yeah. And also you're just denying the reality that God said, no, no, no. They're not an obstacle that you must uh, overcome. Yes. Um, no, that's smart. They're rather... Um, A blessing you must have. Exactly. And, and if you have some infertility infer- infertility issues or you cannot find a spouse, like things like that, obviously you're not like evil. But for most humans, this is a very clear path. This is a very obvious path. This is what God made us for. Um, And if you have an extraneous um, circumstance where you cannot get married or you can't have kids or whatever, well, first of all, if you can't have kids, you can adopt. That's an awesome ministry. And you're still fulfilling the cultural mandate by doing that. Even though you can't maybe can't have biological kids, you're still providing biblically sound kids for the next generation. And if you just can't physically have, uh, sorry, and if you just aren't married or can't have you know, can't find a spouse or whatever, then that might come along later. And if not, God will sustain you. And you can still make spiritual children by discipling people when in first in first Corinthians seven or first yeah, first Corinthians seven, where sometimes a man's time is split between his wife and the Lord, a single person can create more spiritual offspring in a sense by being able to disciple more people or go out and evangelize in ways that maybe a husband couldn't because he has to go home or the wife has to go home, that kind of thing. Right. Okay, anything else there? Yeah, no, really good point. Yeah. We're not advocating that everyone must get married. We're just simply agreeing with the scriptures that this is a norm for the for, yeah. for everyone. Well, and, and then also, I guess, yes, it's a norm, but then we're, I guess another emphasis we're trying to put on is it's a good thing. It's a blessing from God. Kids are good. Marriage is good. Um, corporate America could be fine. Depends on how you interact with it. Yeah. If the woman says, I want to enter corporate America and stay there until I'm 40, and then maybe I'll try and have a kid. That's probably not wise. That's probably not biblical. Right. Um, and we're, we're also not advocating that from the very get-go, women aren't ever to do any sort of job either. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, before Juliana got pregnant, she was working at a, um, um, a beauty school. Yeah. Um, and she was cutting hair, right? Like, she was, she was doing stuff. It's not that she was doing nothing. Yeah, exactly. So we're not saying that uh, it's instantly from the get-go automatically right at the home but the the woman's focus is to be towards the home and gearing towards exactly um, marriage and um, raising up and rearing children yeah and the man's goal is to be like we talked about with first corinthians 11 a woman was taken out of man she's focused on him and bearing children and uh the the man was taken out of the dirt his focus is on the ground to cultivate the ground and to go outside of the garden and conquer and take dominion exactly yeah, and th- there are some women that aspire to certain jobs that are not conducive for having kids. For instance, if a woman wants to be a doctor, I'm not saying a woman couldn't be a doctor. It's 
Very possible. There's no intellectual differences between men and women. Both sexes can be just as smart as the other. But here's what the difference is. Women are made to have kids. If you want to have kids, you cannot do residency. You cannot do med school. You cannot do all that because that's when your childbearing ages are. And if you want to do all that, you will not have the time. So you have to choose, do I want to be a doctor or do I want to have kids? Because during childbearing age, that's when all that is and you will not have the time. Or I guess you could have the time if you want to have kids and then uh, let them basically not be in their life and lend them to the to public schools. But, yeah. but obviously we're not advocating for that either. That'd be foolish. Yeah. So yeah, there are some jobs that are not conducive. So you need to be wise. Like the women need to be wise in what jobs they can do when they don't have kids for a while until they do have kids and then they're oriented to, to the home for probably the rest of their life, you know? Yeah. But those early years, like my wife, or my fiance, soon to be wife. Whoa. I just want to say that so bad. She's my wife. I know. Uh, she's a nurse, you know, and she'll be working as a nurse part time, you know, like until we start having kids, and then she would stop working as a nurse and stay home. Um, so, yeah, that's what Bryce and I think about that. Okay, last text. It's not just what we think, it's, it's from what, scripture. Yeah. Yeah, what we think based on the scriptures. Right. It's not just our opinion. Right. Okay, um, last, la- last text, and then we're done. Um, First Peter. Chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 7. And we end here because this is probably the most important for especially men. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even... Uh, well, I guess this is re- this is really good stuff for both the men and the women. Because th- this, part, <laughs> this part right here is also really good for the ladies. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word... They may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, um, which is... uh, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Me first or you? I know one thing, so me. Go. Uh, the verse seven is one that really before I'm I'm very glad that this stuck in my mind and that I memorized it before getting married, um, and this really has helped me out tremendously. And I'll read it again: Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Um, so we let's break this down: weaker vessel. Um, again, it just does not mean less value, less dignity, but what this is clearly referring to is the vessel of the woman's body. They just cannot do physically as much as men. And, uh, well, it's both body and certain other things. Exactly. I was going okay. to get into okay. that. It's bodily, and we can't be, uh, we can't be Gnostics. Um, or sorry, we can't be ascetics and think that it's just a body, <laughs> nor can we be Gnostics and think this is just something spiritual, but it's both spiritual and physical. Body and soul, baby. Women don't go to battle physically because they're with the weaker vessels. And they also, you don't see a street preacher woman, one, because women can't preach, and two, the reason they can't preach is because of the spiritual um, weakness that they have. Yeah. Um, not in sense of their ability or culpability to be godly, but in the sense of their lack of proportion to a man to be able to go out and fight those those battles. But what this really hit me with is that 
men as were typically very prone to be tyrants. Women yeah. are prone to be feminists, and men are prone <laughs> to be tyrants. And in a tyrannical, fleshly nature, which I am to kill every day, I can, instead of knowing, honoring my wife and knowing, okay, she just can't handle as much as me, and getting upset with her when she can't do what I want her to do, um, just because I have this un unattainable expectation in my mind, and I instantly get snarky with her. This is something that I do struggle with. I'll, and when I say snarky, it's not like I'm like yelling at my wife or anything, but... Um, Sure, just like kind of passive aggressive. Exactly. Everybody can get like that. Sure. And especially you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but recognize, no, she's the weaker vessel. She can't do what you can do. You're to be tender with your wife. You're exactly. to be loving with your wife. You're to be gracious with her. Um, in the same way that Jesus is gracious, loving, and tender with us. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. And God, God will not listen to you. Exactly. Because you're being wicked and you're being profane. Yeah. Um, you're defiling what God, the, the creative order that God set in. Mm -hmm. and in effect, when you get mad at your wife for that, for stuff like that, you're saying, why did God make you yes. like this? Good point, Bryce. And that's just wickedness. That's the same reason why it's wicked to say, no, I'm actually not a boy. I'm actually a girl. That's how I've been since birth. The same, it's literally the same exact thing. You're denying God's creation. Exactly. Yeah, good point. Um, it does make me very sad to hear when people say, like the first thing that comes to mind is like women drivers. You hear guys all the time, they're like, something about like this lady was driving and whatever and just because women aren't as aggressive driving so like sometimes they'll you, you'll expect them the driver to do something the guy will and it's like a lady and she's very timid and she doesn't like go when there's plenty of space kind of thing um and it's like instead of getting mad like you shouldn't get mad at women for doing that because they're made differently you should be like oh wow she's very safe i bet she gets in less crashes like women statistically get in less crashes than men do because they're not as risky of drivers so you shouldn't be like Oh, I hate that. Like, why are women like this? Or they're they're so timid when they're driving, and it just it frustrates me. And it's like, no, you should honor the woman. I, it makes me very frustrated and angry when people, men especially, get mad at when women can't do something or they're whatever. And it's like, they God made her a different way. It's beautiful the way she's made. She's not supposed to be aggressive. You know, she's different, and you should honor that, like you're saying, or your prayers will be hindered. Also, a uh, big huge text for the women too that um, they're pure. And uh, what's it say? Pure conduct, respectful and pure conduct. And, and this is the way we see um, Sarah with Abraham and all these godly women. I and mean, that's, that's the example Paul brings up, but all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, everything. This is how the women of old have always been the godly women. They uh, respect their husbands and they don't try to argue with them because obviously men are going to be aggressive and they're going to not let you have a word. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, the, I, from, from what I hear, I haven't been married yet, but I'm about to be married. Apparently, the cold shoulder, obviously, is much more terrible for a man than his wife like trying to argue back to him. Because usually, the guy is just going to talk over her. But when she just shuts up or whatever, and she goes and gives you the cold shoulder, she won't talk to you. Yeah. That's how they went over their husbands. And God knows it. It's funny. Me and Juliana were literally talking about this today. I really? Her, you know, a woman's... Uh, method of warfare is much more ferocious than a man. At least with a man, you know they're like throwing a punch. At I know. <laughs> yeah, you never it's know with that. Yeah, style of it really warfare. is. Yeah, that they may be one without a word. Yeah, and that's what women do, and they're it's be, yeah, yeah. That that that's a ministry women have been given. So hopefully that helps you understand in the home how men, women, and children ought to act with each other and what God has told us.
Um, thanks for listening, guys. Check out the website. I uh, made a Facebook page um, for, for, the, for the King. I hope you guys like that new intro. The, the, there should be a new outro with this too. So I'm going to read this doxology and then we'll end up here. Send me an email if you guys have any questions or anything about to Bryce and I. We would love to hear from you guys. Um, oh, I turned to the wrong thing. I still haven't memorized it yet, so I need to read it. First Timothy chapter one, verse 17. To the king of the ages, immortal and invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Soli Deo Gloria.